Welcome to season two of We Are Here, sponsored by CrowdStrike. In part three of this season, Ron and Chris dive into a discussion about representation and allyship. They explore the concept of being it if you can't see it, and aspects of being a great champion to empower those saying, we are here. Glad to be back again, kicking off another series of We Are Here. And this conversation is going to be focused on why representation matters, allyship, and how allies can help. And to join us in this conversation, we have two team members of Team Believe, CrowdStrike's Employee Resource Group for Black Professionals. In the booth today, we have David Zaudi, who is a principal security researcher at CrowdStrike, and Nina Padaville, who is strategic threat advisor for state, local government, and healthcare at CrowdStrike. Wanted to say thank you both for joining us on this podcast. You're welcome. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having us. We are beyond excited to have this conversation. Representation is super important, but also allyship can be just as important in that endeavor. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. Let's hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Let's start with you, Nina. So, you know, I never planned on being an engineer, but I ended up going to the oldest engineering school in the country, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, as a business major. And so the atmosphere there really rubbed off on me pretty quickly. I found engineering fascinating, but I knew I wasn't cut out for physics or data structures. So I started looking for paths that would allow me to participate in my own right. And I ended up going to a career field trip to New York City as a freshman, where I asked one of those recruiters that was present how I could personally land an internship in a few years when I was a bit older as a student and you know, get more involved in cybersecurity. So he guided me to dual major with RPI's IT and web science major, which at the time was still pretty much an emerging field for any undergrad degree in the world. And so RPI created this program two years prior, focusing on science and applications of increasingly mined terms of data um, from you know, public sector data to private sector companies across the board. And so we studied everything from data structures to the ethics of technology, usable human interfaces, and even building websites to solve problems for some businesses in New York itself. So what I found interesting was every single semester, we were learning a topic that was undergoing massive amounts of change inspired by traction that was happening in private and public sector organizations. So, you know, all that combination of theory and technique and real world application in a constantly changing field just primed me pretty perfectly for a career in cyber, where we're constantly learning and adapting and problem solving new threats. It's incredible those chance encounters set us on this completely different trajectory and it's in complete alignment with who we are as, as people. Such an incredible origin story. Uh, what about you, David? For me, I started off initially as a sysadmin working at a nonprofit association. From there, moved over to engineering, spent a good amount of time understanding, I guess, a lot of intrinsics of you know various different environments and ultimately moved over to InfoSec by way of a threat analyst. And in doing so, worked at a variety of different environments, including, you know, public, private, um, the nonprofit association, as well as government. And 
I think through all of those environments had the ability to more or less see from, I guess, the time of when I started, you know, I think InfoSec was still in its early days, probably dating myself at this point. Um, but, you know, more or less looking from, you know, progression of, you know, where things were not necessarily defined to where now I think we have a, a lot more in place as far as, you know, roles, responsibilities, you know, capabilities, things of that nature. So I guess from a trajectory path, it wasn't necessarily looking at security from the start, but more or less once I, I guess entered the security space, I had never looked back. Great. And, you know, this reminds me of the fact that there's no one path into cybersecurity. You both have your unique stories about how you got into the field, how you got experience. And it's the same for me. I had a chance encounter with great mentors and leaders that helped develop me and my skills throughout my journey of being in cybersecurity. And one of the things that we might hear as a quote a lot is you can't be what you can't see. And I don't necessarily think that's 100% true because we do now have the mentors and the leaders in place to progress non-represented groups in cybersecurity, underrepresented groups in, in cybersecurity. But I wanted to ask, who were your role models, leaders, and mentors that you looked up to when you were growing up? Uh, so great question. For me, I think role models, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a loaded term for me is looking at the term role model, I can look at it as, you know, is that something that, you know, I'm trying to aspire to be or, you know, am I unique in doing things my own way? Whereas in the mentor space, I think that's, you know, definitely the, the right spot. So more of a semantic thing, but looking at, you know, folks that have influenced me in my career, there are too many to, to call out, especially, you know, many of the people that have helped shape, you know, many of the things that I've learned over my career at this time. But I guess the most impactful would be, you know, safe to say my mother and my aunts, both of them shaped, I guess, a lot of, you know, the character, the compassion, the ability to understand and truly appreciate the opportunity to serve others and not necessarily look at, you know, being able to just look you know, inwards, but, you know, more or less helping if you can. I know, you know, as far as like, when, when it comes to what we do on our day-to-day -day basis, like, you know, a lot of the things are from promotion and being able to get ourselves ahead in, in the space, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, there are people that, you know, definitely can benefit from, you know, being able to pay, pay it forward. If someone helped you to get to where you are, there's definitely an opportunity to be able to share that same knowledge so that that next person can come in and continue that path forward. Great. And what about you, Nina? What does mentorship mean to you? And who were some of the mentors for you when you were growing up and get, getting started in your career? So I was probably one of a single digit percentage point of minorities at my K-12 growing up. So I definitely agree with, you know, not seeing people that looked like me to mentor me. But I think by necessity, I just you know, had to naturally recalibrate. I don't remember making the conscious choice, but I know that I started looking towards people who exhibited a voracious, you know, curiosity and appetite for learning and even an appetite for forging their own path because for me personally, I, I didn't always know, and I still don't know what it is exactly I want to be doing with my time. But if I follow that curiosity and I follow that thing that's excite exciting me, I tend to do pretty well. And so, you know, growing up, that was absolutely my parents and my sister who did exactly that while also being disciplined hard workers. It was also, you know, my friends in college who were just completely curious, imaginative explorers and still do that to this day. And then, of course, as well, teachers and professors at RPI who led my IT program and made sure, you know, including Richard Plotka and Peter Fox, 
made sure that that program was dynamic and multidisciplinary to set us up for a future state of the world. When I think about us as a, a community, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a relatively new thing, but we're making tremendous strides, but we still have a long way to go. I'd love to hear from your perspectives, where are we headed with DEI and how does that in alignment with your own personal journeys? Let's start with you, Nina. So personally speaking, I think I want to put myself out there a bit more often going forward because I used to shy away from you know, public speaking opportunities because I hadn't seen someone that looked or spoke like me in the past succeeding in environments that I would attend myself to. So you know, that could mean just attending more conferences or supporting more intern programs or attending recruiting events because I know that from firsthand experience, it's really important to see and feel those allies firsthand uh, because that does make or break whether you feel comfortable pursuing that next opportunity in a new environment. And um, I guess probably for the industry, I'd say something about metrics. At the end of the day, you, you can't manage what you don't measure. And that's something I learned in all of my business classes. It's just fundamentally a part of pretty much every every topic that we study, whether it's sports or you know finance or even cyber. So holistically, I think every industry across the board could do a better job at prioritizing metrics because really it doesn't make sense to separate the individual from the, the culture and the demographic of a company. It's just one more data point that candidates and prospective employees are using when they're looking for a new job. And it really does help inform decisions, even if the data isn't quote unquote perfect, because there, there really is no perfect metric. It does just inform the conversation and allow for growth over time. Goals for DEI, definitely I see us as you know, being the advocates as far as you know, awareness of these programs, more or less goal being, you know, we want to bring in more talent, bring in more folks with a diverse background. And if it's a matter of, you know, being able to use opportunities such as like, you know, the college hires or the college fairs, or potentially like, you know, being able to do outreach by way of engagements, sharing things like this, as far as our perspectives and, you know, reaching out to the folks that may have an interest in this space. I think that is where DEI can shine. And given that CrowdStrike has made a lot of efforts to, you know, you know, provide a means for these teams to build and, you know, more or less grow organically. You know, I, I look at that as like, you know, a microcosm of what else can be done throughout the space or throughout the community. And ultimately, that, that's what we're trying to do is build communities where, you know, we have a means of being able to reach out, more or less have shared experiences with others and ensure that, you know, we're able to grow these teams that reflect us and not necessarily, you know, something that you know, it doesn't necessarily, or is, is, is one tract, or, you know, it's not necessarily the full scope of everything that everybody brings. One thing that I admire about both of you two is that you are part of this team believe and this resource group for underrepresented groups and kind of exposing the conversations, continuing the conversations and making an impact not only in CrowdStrike, but in cybersecurity as a whole. And one of the questions that I'm sure you get asked a lot is how can your colleagues be better allies? How can the non-underrepresented groups or the majorities help the minorities to have better opportunities and more experience in tech? I would say Number one thing is the opportunity to participate. If folks have cycles, folks have time, um, it is a commitment, but, you know, being able to participate, you know, is, I think, you know, number one. And from there, I think it's a matter of how far do you want to take it? You know, if we have folks that want to endeavor as far as joining 
these many different employee resource groups or, you know, being able to, you know, advocate not necessarily as a member, but maybe as, you know, basically an ally. These are things that I see as like the step in order to create, you know, that awareness that we're talking about, but more importantly, you know, building empathy. Like, I think that's really the goal here is it's very difficult for folks to really understand if they've not experienced, you know, the experiences that many others have gone through. And, you know, if at the very least, you know, these opportunities with these ERGs are, you know, allowing folks to be able to engage and be able to work with others that may have those experiences, that's, I think, an initial great step. And then from there, it's, that's where we go from there, where like, if, you know, by way of your participation, now you're involved actively looking at, you know, okay, well, from our hiring process, like, you know, what exactly can we do to encourage you know, a more diverse talent pool to come and look at our, our company or look at the job opportunities that are available. You know, these are all things that build on this level of community that I think the ERGs are more or less advocating. And Nina, from your perspective, how can allies help? What do you want them to understand about the experience of minorities in cybersecurity? So a lot of the similar points that Dave said, I think at the end of the day, it helps to witness and as someone that can be an ally for other minorities to engage with their experiences. And that can be as simple as attending an event that the ERG hosts and just, you know, lending an ear and listening in on how an experience that doesn't directly affect you could still impact someone within your web or community or, you know, in the larger human society at hand. So I think that that level of participation is important. And even if, you know, a time commitment of being an active member in the ERG isn't possible, just adding yourself to that Slack channel or, you know, subscribing to events that might be taking place in the future, just to stay aware of, you know, what topics are top of mind to these coworkers and groups really helps make an impact on the line because, you know, once something does arise that requires more attention or support from the community, it really does shine through when, you know, we have individual coworkers step up and say, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to talk if you want to. And that's half the battle is really understanding people at their core, having that empathy, like we mentioned before, and also just seeing people as people, seeing their value, seeing them as individuals and a contributing factor to our team. I'd love to hear a story from both of you about mentorship within your company or even in the industry. Is there someone that you're mentoring right now? And what is the impact that you're hoping to have? I am not officially mentoring anyone at the moment. And I think that is that's something I want to change. It's also something that I probably never thought I was qualified to do because I feel still pretty young in my role and in the field. But obviously that that isn't relevant because anyone can be a mentor and everyone is always interested in learning if you know they present that curiosity. So I'd say I'll kind of flip it and say I've had a role model for the past few years from my previous role at a different company to, to CrowdStrike here. And he continues to just you know be a, a lending ear and basically provide advice to me that I am allowed to set my own limits and I shouldn't settle for other people setting limits for myself. So that's probably the, the, the worst way to summarize the things I've learned from him. But I think at the end of the day, the success that I've had with him as my mentor is that he is continuously available to listen and continuously available to advocate on my behalf and champion me on my behalf when I'm not even in the room. So, you know, I'd like to adopt those same qualities when I begin to mentor myself. That's awesome. You have that foresight. What about you, David? Historically, I have mentored others and I still continue to mentor folks. 
I look at it as, you know, I've definitely had folks that have mentored me in, I guess, earlier on in my career and more or less helped me to where I'm at now. And looking at it from the standpoint of being able to do that, pay it forward, uh, many of the things that have helped me along the way, I'm more or less trying to impart that on folks as well. So whether it's be from more of the technical analysis side, as well as, you know, just around some of the more soft skills and things that are necessary for us to be able to progress. I, I look at this as one, definitely, you know, continuing that cycle of, you know, someone had done this initially for me, but also importantly, like, you know, being able to, you know, really help those that probably do need that assistance or, you know, maybe like we talked, I think earlier is, you know, this field is, you know, still, I guess, maturing in its own respect. And like, we're not, you know, there's a lot more that we have to go with regards to, you know, formalizing and standardizing. And, you know, I think being able to impart, you know, things, techniques and things that, you know, have worked and trying to, I guess, ensure that folks, you know, maintain that level of professionalism at all times, you know, that I think, you know, is the things that, you know, we can ensure that, you know, this space continues to grow in a positive fashion and not necessarily looking at, you know, how can I get by, but like, how can we bring as many people as we can into this space? Well, a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to say, hmm, I want to get to know more about Dave and I want to get to know more about Nina. And maybe I even want them to be become my mentor and give me advice for how I can overcome the setbacks that I might have on this journey that I call a career. So let's start with you, Nina. You know, now that you have the opportunity to mentor people, you said you're going to start to step into that that type of position and be a coach for people. What advice would you have for anyone that's getting started that's somewhat discouraged about not being accepted or belonging in cybersecurity? Well, this is something that I have learned and told myself, which is just throw those limits that you set for yourself out the window, because a lot of the success that I've found recently has occurred when I've just 100% believed in my ability and have accepted that, you know, there will be growing pains and there will be discomfort, but that is a sign of me adapting and changing and, and learning. So I think when you are discouraged, just keep that in mind, as well as, you know, find a support system. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in cyber, it can be in tech, it can be in medicine, it can be, you know, in any other sector. But as long as you have mentors that are helping you keep your mental spirits up and are helping you stay, you know, motivated and focused, I think you'll you'll stay on the right track. That's exactly why we like to have people inside and outside of cybersecurity to increase our understanding of other fields and incorporate that knowledge and understanding and also the lessons back into our own industry. What about you, Dave? What have been some of the setbacks that maybe you've experienced and what advice would you have to those that are embarking onto their career? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. And, you know, I think, you know, to more or less, you know, reiterate what Nina said, you know, I think many of the things that we come across as the challenges that we face, you know, I think having the ability to network and be able to rely on others to be able to help in certain scenarios is absolutely powerful and empowering. In those cases where, you know, I've encountered challenges, I think, you know, for me, I think the biggest takeaways have been not to accept that, you know, this is the way it is and just it as is, you know, always continue to push, continue to challenge, continue to strive for, you know, being able to, you know, take things further from where you are. And many times, like what we may encounter, you know, may be setbacks, maybe things that, 
more or less are you know away from our original goals or intentions. But I think you know the larger point is you know having that longer term vision of what exactly you want to do, and more or less being able to identify like, what are the things that will get you there, are you know emp- empowering in its own right. So thus you know as you go through those stages, you know you may you know more or less run through some setbacks. But, you know, it's that perseverance, that determination, that you know, desire to continue at that path is what's going to get you there. And keeping, our, you know, to, to be said, I think the term here would be keeping those the eyes on the prize in that sense. That. So when we think about allyship, a lot of folks don't really understand what role they can play as allies for underrepresented folks across the spectrum. But what is some of the advice that you would love to give to those folks to start acting as an ally today? What are some of those tenets and some of your beliefs about being a good ally? Let's start with you, Dave. Being a good ally, I think, really requires, I guess, that commitment, that initial, if you're going to participate, you know, go all in, right? And more importantly, looking at your participation, it's, it's one thing, you know, as far as, you know, having these meetings and having discussions, but it's another thing to do actions and actually, you know, look to, having outcomes that support these goals. So one of the biggest tenets for me is like, you know, being able to serve and being able to serve others. Like, you know, whether it be like, you know, the mentorship that we're talking about or possibly, you know, actually getting involved with, you know, possibly company, you know, higher events or, you know, things that may attract, you know, you more or less representing your company, but more also more importantly, I guess, the diverse background that you bring to the table, you know, that also is inspiring and may also help to find that individual that's looking, hadn't looked at your company or hadn't looked at your industry in the first place, but now by way of, you know, you being that advocate, you know, is helping to raise that awareness, raise, increase the, the likelihood that we may have, you know, more of that representation throughout our, you know, our companies and organizations. I think you're right. I think just deciding to be an ally and having that intention is really half the battle to being a great ally. What about you, Nina? What do you think are are some of the advice that you would give to those aspiring allies out there in the world today? Probably to, you know, have conversations and ask questions with people who have different experiences than you. You know, not every demographic is going to have the same experience that you hear about in a podcast or you read from a book. So that's something I've learned, you know, generationally speaking with my family, we all have very different experiences, even though we're technically minorities in the U.S. Uh, so I think, you know, applying that intention to a real world setting, just, you know, have dialogues with people and try to just be curious about how everyone's experience is different. That's incredible. You know, at the end of every episode, we, we have this golden question. The golden question is really a nugget of wisdom that people can take and apply to their lives tomorrow. I wanted to ask both of you, what is the future of DEI look like and how can we all play our part to its utmost potential? That's a hard one. I think it comes down to, you know, honoring people. There will never be, you know, a perfect DEI program or, you know, a perfect technology or metric that will solve everyone's problems away. But I think as long as we live through this, this value of honoring other people's experiences and, you know, making sure that we are putting their experiences before ours and making sure that everyone's having, you know, a good time in our culture, is able to thrive, is able to succeed and, you know, reach their goals. As long as that's the tenant that we operate within, I, I think that DEI will just take off in, in a, a really beautiful way. I agree. It would be completely beautiful. 
And what about you, Dave? Bring us home. What is that piece of wisdom that you'd like to bestow on all the listeners today? So I think this is a great question. And I think, you know, the end state, you know, where DEI, I think, wants to be is ultimately building that community so that it's not just a multitude of different, you know, ERG groups or, you know, I think really more on the lines of one community. Like, you know, we all, you know, rather than looking at, you know, what are the things that, you know, identify our differences or, you know, show, you know, you know, what exactly is, you know, unique to us, you know, you know, I think the goal here being is really identifying what are our commonalities? What are the things that we all share? And it's altruistic, but it's, 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 I think a fair goal in the sense of when we look at, you know, all the challenges that we face, I mean, we're what a year and a half into this global pandemic and, you know, we have lots and lots of challenges ahead of us. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we realize, you know, we're all humans and we all share, you know, many, many commonalities across all of our various different backgrounds. I think the day when, you know, that becomes less of a stark contrast and more of like, we all see each other as, you know, more or less that one big community. That's, you know, I think the ideal state. I couldn't agree more. Nina, David, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us today. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the incredible things you have going on in your life and at CrowdStrike, what are the best ways that people can do that? It's a good question. I, I'm trying to be a bit more active on LinkedIn, so I think I'll, I'll direct folks over to that page. Just feel free to connect with me and we can you know, set up additional time and talk. For me, like, I, I'm definitely involved, I guess, as far as volunteering with the community, I guess, with my local B-sides, but also, like, you know, by way of, I guess, just interaction, you know, on social media and things of that nature, you know, I think happy to, you know, more or less engage, you know, by way of, you know, through, you know, our community ERGs and things that you'll probably see me like, you know, in some of the events that we have, uh, we've had like college fairs in the past and things like that. So absolutely, wherever I can, you know, more or less make that opportunity to uh, engage with, with folks. Excellent. Thank you both. We will be sure to drop the information into the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you and all the great things that you have going on. Awesome. Thanks again. you for joining the conversation and we'll see everyone next time. Thanks. Awesome. For Thanks again. Yeah, this was excellent. Thank you.